go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now, runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello and welcome to The Green Dot by EAA, our podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Henry, the EAA Aviation Museum Programs Representative, and across from me is my partner in crime. Your other host, Tom Sharpentier, Government Relations Director. And Tom, uh, we have a few guests here today. Uh, I guess we'll call them guests. Uh, we get to see them almost every day and hang out with them a good bit. But uh, you want to introduce uh, who we have here today? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Uh, we brought our respective VPs with us today. So uh, we got Sean Elliott, uh, <laughs> Vice President of Advocacy and Safety, and uh, Rick. Um, sorry, Rick, I always forget. You have such a long title, I, I always forget. I, I think we've shortened that to Communities yeah. and Member Programs. There you so. go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the scene in Top Gun where we have Viper up there uh, for both of us. So <laughs> I just realized that. So no, no pressure this morning. That's so yeah, We're saying, holy crap, there's Tom and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we, I think it's almost a tradition that you all come on uh, every year around this time and we start talking uh, about Oshkosh and what is going to be fun for AirVenture this year. I know the community listening is in their hangars at their airports starting to get ready, probably already packing bags and getting the airplane uh, weight and balance ready. Um, so, you know, I, I guess just like we do on every show when we have a different guest, and I don't think I've ever gotten to ask uh, both of you this, Um as we roll into the air venture planning, let's let's back up just a little bit and ask, what's the first thing that got you excited to go fly? Do you have a memory that that sort of concreted this? Oh my God, I want to be in an airplane. You know, I I think for me, I mean, it it goes all the way back. You know, as a little kid, um, you know, I, I can never. I can never remember not being interested in, in aviation and airplanes. Um, part of that was, you know, growing up five miles from O'Hare um, and and seeing airplanes every day. Um, part of that was, you know, growing up with a, a family that had an interest in aviation, although, uh, you know, my dad was never a pilot, um, just absolutely loved it, loved everything about it. I had an older brother, um, you know, that was both into um, – you know, when I came along into, you know, heavily into models and, and flying control line and free flight, um, but also um, started flying Cubs when I was, you know, just a little kid. And so I just grew up around it. And, and you know, like I say, I mean, I've never, ever, you know, can remember a time when, you know, I wasn't interested in it. And so... It was, you know, model aviation to begin with. It was, you know, later when I was in high school, flying hang gliders, you know, you know, things like that, that, that really cemented, you know, the overall interest for me. And, uh, and it's just remained, and it's pretty cool to look back on it and go, you know, I've been able to go spend an entire career in and around aviation, um, you know, never working outside of aviation, whether that was the airline side or EAA or what have you. And yeah, I look back on that and it's pretty fortunate, but it all started, you know, as a little kid. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it, to spend your entire career in aviation, uh, I, I worked for about six months once as a night manager of a Walgreens, and uh, y'all can manage uh, or imagine how much fun uh, <laughs> I had doing that. So it was it was awful. It's awful to actually have you know have a what I want to say a work for a living uh, going to work outside of aviation. So, um, Sean, how about yourself? What was your first uh, motivating factor for aviation? Well, Chris, uh, not much different than Rick, in that my family uh, w- w- was certainly an aviation family. Grew up. 
as a kid, I think my first flight in our family debonair, uh, it was six months. <laughs> and I, my, my dad basically made a makeshift cra- uh, crib in the back. And we took a trip somewhere and I was along. I don't remember it, obviously, but uh, nonetheless, uh, grew up around the hangar, uh, tea hangar on an airport there in Northwest uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. Not far from where you grew up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my first memory that really did it for me was I was probably five or six. And our tea hangar was one of the front tea hangers facing runway 624 at Erie. And uh, we had front row seats for the annual air show. And the Blues were there that year with the F4 Phantom. And when I saw a Phantom taxi down the taxiway, literally 150 yards, maybe at the most, from RT hangar, and the, the, the Navy pilot actually waved with his gold helmet, that was it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just amazing stuff. And then like Rick said, you know, grew up in, in model aviation, uh, flew control line, uh, some free flight, got competitive in control line, uh, actually won junior uh, stunt in 1982 and uh, went on to learn to fly, sold on my 16th birthday and, you know, now 10,000 hour pilot with uh, lots of cool stuff under my belt. So that's, that's incredible. And Tom, I don't know if we've ever flipped the mic on, uh, on you. What really first got you uh, fired up about airplanes? Oh gosh, me. Um, you know, I think there's a, uh, I would probably have to say like a lot of um, pilots and people that are into aviation, I can't remember ever not being into it. Um, it was just something that seemed self-evident to me was really cool and something I wanted to be involved with. Um, if I had to put my finger on one thing, oddly enough, it was watching the Jimmy Stewart uh, Spirit of St. Louis movie when it was on AMC when I was a kid. Um, and, and, the, and the, in fact, um, you know, I've had the enormous privilege um, with Sean of actually being able to fly our replica of the Spirit of St. Louis, which is probably one of the, the um, my, my favorite aviation memories because of that link uh, to Lindbergh's story and, uh, and learning about that when I was in, gosh, elementary school, something like that. But yeah, it just kind of grew from there. I had family, a family friend who flew and took me out to the airport and um, had my first flight in the glider in the White Mountains in New Hampshire when I was uh, in uh, fourth grade, I think. So That's how, awesome. How about you, Chris? Have uh, we talked I, about this? So I actually wanted to be a, a construction worker when I was a little kid and, thought, and just drive dump trucks and stuff. I thought that was cool. And then this movie called Top Gun came out and I was <laughs> ruined forever. Uh, that's a true story. And I was about, you know, six or seven. For some reason, my parents let me watch that at six or seven, uh, which was like, wow, that was kind of uh, forward thinking of them because there's like some swear words and stuff in there. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was ruined after Top Gun. I mean, and then I lived on the approach to the Pittsburgh airport. So I got outside and just watch airplanes land. It was pretty cool. But um, yeah, yeah, it's fun stuff. I love the the background. There's always a cool story of what got you into airplanes. Absolutely. And I know we're talking about Oshkosh and AirVenture this year. So let's quickly go into, do you guys remember your first AirVenture, your first time in Oshkosh? And what was your impression the first time you got here? Well, for me, growing up in in Chicago, I can remember as a, a little kid going actually to Rockford. Um, and, you know, I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old. And, um, you know, walking around and, and, and thinking, you know, this is pretty amazing when you go look at, you know, the number of airplanes. And when you're a little kid, it doesn't take that many airplanes to make it feel like there's a ton. Um, and growing up a, around, you know, a dad and a brother that just had a very strong interest in aviation, EAO was, was always kind of there in the background. And so, you know, from the Rockford side, I can remember being up here in Oshkosh, and it, it had to be, you know, the first or second year after 
the event moved here. And, and again, you know, still being pretty young and, and being just amazed at what was going on up here. And, um, you know, now I look back on that and, and I have a really, really hard time figuring out where I even was on the grounds because things have evolved with the site so much. Um, you know, I can remember and I've got pictures, you know, from, you know, again, early 70s here. But I have a hard time going, okay, so where is that? Unless the control tower is in the picture, <laughs> um, it's really hard to get any orientation because, you know, the, the site has changed so much over the years. Wow. And how about you, Sean? What, how, do you remember your first uh, oh, yeah. sort of memory of yeah, it? Yeah, I was a latecomer. Actually, my first air venture was 1996. And uh, for me, the most outstanding actually was just two years later. There's been all kinds of amazing memories at air venture. Uh, but 90, 1998 was the last year we had the Concord here. And it was so awesome to see. And I still kick myself today because they were actually selling seats on a flight over Canada for $700 a seat. And I didn't do it. And I should have, to this day, I just kicked myself <laughs> for not taking that opportunity. Because they actually would go up over Canada, go supersonic, then come home. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Wow. I, know. I, I, that was, I remember here. I was here the year the, the Concorde was here, you know, one of the years. And you know, it was just so amazing, amazing. to see it that. It really was. You know? It really was. Tom, your first uh, sort of, oh, my gosh, moment uh, coming here? <laughs> well, as, as I think you probably know, my first time being here was on staff. Um, I was I was working the membership tent that year, 2012. Um you know, I just as as an aside, I think it's kind of funny growing up and, and knowing about airplanes and reading the magazines and all that. I always knew where Oshkosh was. I always knew what Oshkosh was. But specifically in the part of the Northeast where I grew up, and please, if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about, please send me a note because I, I want to make sure I'm not crazy here. We... <laughs> My family and other family friends would use the term Oshkosh as kind of a generic term for like a faraway place. Like, I'm sorry I'm late. The, there, was, there was so much traffic I had to park all the way out in Oshkosh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So when I said that I was moving to Oshkosh to take a job here, they're like, wait, that's a real place? <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And, and funny for aircraft parking here, we say you're parking in Fond du Lac. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, right. If you park in Oshkosh, that's a good thing. Uh, um, but uh, but anyway, I, I – um, Gosh, I, there, it's really hard to put my finger on any one thing. I mean, th there have been so many amazing moments, so many moments that you'll only really get here. Um, and, you know, Chris, you've been involved in, in a lot of those. I mean, the reunion of the Apollo astronauts, that's something I'll never forget. Um, the, uh, you know, one of the, the last times we had any Doolittle Raiders here. I know we're doing the, uh, the anniversary this year, but this is the first major anniversary. We don't have any of the actual Raiders here. Um, and, uh, but we had that ma amazing gathering of B-25s a few years ago. Um, the, um, the anniversary of the Cubs, that was my first year. 2012 was what, the 75th, I think, of the Cubs. And um, we did that flight from Hartford where we had an unbroken line of Cubs. Literally, we had Cubs landing here and still taking, taking off, off in Hartford. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, that was, that was, that was pretty amazing. And we, and we only, Tom, I, I believe we only had a couple that got lost. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and some that drove and got here before the Cubs. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's great. Um, that. so yeah, it's really hard to put, put, put my finger on any, any one wow moment, but, um, but there have been many. So. At, Sam, I, you know, my, my real big first impression, uh, I came here first time in 96 and, uh, and then it kind of evolved into our, my buddies, our trip every year. So what we did and, 
one of the ones that hit me was uh, when you came here, you know, I was used to your, to your normal air shows uh, where there's ropes around everything. And when you got the Warbirds, you know, you're able to just kind of poke your head into a wheel well and respectfully kind of see something if you're a model builder. You know, you, you can take a picture for reference. If the owner or pilot's there, a lot of times they'll let you take a peek inside. There's, I always say there's no ropes around the airplanes. There's no ropes around the heroes. Um, you know, my first trip here, 96, internet, not everybody had the internet yet, so you couldn't just always reference, you know, uh, a picture. And Marge is my favorite P-38. And I came here, and I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing it in person, and I'm like, oh, my God, this thing is really cool. First time you're actually able to see Marge's photo, which is on the nose, and in high def because you're seeing it in person. I blurted out to my buddy. Keep in mind, I'm 16. I said, Marge was really pretty. I never realized that. And this nice little lady is sitting under the wing, and she's like, well, thank you. I needed to hear that today. And here was the real Marge <laughs> sitting under the wing of the airplane. Uh, you know, so I made a complete fool out of myself in front of Marge. But uh, uh, but she was just, I mean, but it was like, oh, my gosh, you got to meet. And really, you got to sit there and talk to her about what she felt about, you know, uh, being depicted on the airplane and everything. It was priceless. I mean, that is. Yeah. So what, what you're talking about, Chris, is something that uh, our founder, Paul Pobrezny, used to express a lot. And I certainly heard it a ton in my time around Paul, and that is that the airplanes bring you here, but the people keep you coming back. Without a doubt. And it's those people experiences that just make Oshkosh a one-of-a-kind, amazing event. Yeah, you know, we, we were talking last night um, a little bit uh, when we did the webinar on, on features and attractions for this year. Um, you know, there when you bring somebody here for the first time, um, you almost always get the same reaction. I mean, there is a, there's a reaction of, oh, my God, this is huge. Oh, my God, look at all the airplanes and all this. But after a bit, you almost always get this reaction of there's something different about this. There's something different about the event. And, and it's, you know, I think something that's very hard to define. It's sort of that, that magic that seems to be in the air. Um, but it's about how people behave. It's about how people interact. It's about a level playing field. And it's about everybody that is walking around Oshkosh. They're there because there is some common thread, common love for aviation and flight. Um, and that's very, it creates a very, very unique environment. And, you know, for those of us, you know, and, and anybody that, that comes to Oshkosh on a regular basis, I think you just take that for granted. But that goes all the way back. I mean, what's cool about it is that goes all the way back to Paul, all the way back to the very early days of the organization and the convention. Um, there is that magic. There is that feeling that is very different and very unique. And you don't feel it at other events. Um, but here you do when you, you see it. Um, and it is, like you said, Sean, at the end, it's all about the people. My, uh, it's very interesting you both say that uh, my wife has come with me. She was not by a born uh, airplane person like a lot of us. Uh, she's kind of into it through me. But um, first time she came here, she came away, and she, her exact phrase was that she goes, this was not an air show. She's like, this is just kind of like a giant family get-together, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it, you yep. know. And uh, so, yeah, she actually has her routine now where, that we live here that – you know, she likes to go get an air venture today and a coffee and, and go sit on the flight line and plan out her day. So uh, it's it's fun to see, you know, your family and friends that you brought here 
kind of start their own traditions, and, and it's a lot of fun. It's a special place. Absolutely. So speaking of that special place, we could go on uh, for, for days, I think. Uh, Rick, you're just going to go ahead and list every end number that's coming, right? That's what you're <laughs> – um, but no, let's, let's talk about some of the fun stuff for Adventure 22. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you looking forward uh, to the most that, that you think? You know, I, God, boy, you know, when you say, you know, one thing that you might be looking forward to, I mean, it, it's really difficult. I, I think we've we've been able to go pull together um, a really, really strong year when it comes to the things that, um, you know, folks will be experiencing and seeing this year in Oshkosh. Um, you know, I, I will say for me, if I had to go boil it down to one thing that happens during the week, um, and it's something that we started about 10 years ago, and that's what we do on Friday with the honor flight. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, when, um, when you look at, at all the things that go on at Oshkosh, and, and there's no way, you can be here all week and you simply can't experience everything, and, and we know that. Um, but the return of the honor flight on Friday night, um, right at the, the end of the air show, to me, winds up always being kind of the highlight of the week um, because there is is something that you know. When, you know, a moment ago when we were talking about kind of this the spirit and and you know that magical feel that is here, um, it's just amplified on Friday night when you've got you know thousands of people on the plaza. You got a plane load of Vietnam veterans that are getting off the airplane that never you know, 40, 50 years ago, never got a welcome home. And, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, you know, five or 10,000 people out on the plaza greeting them, cheering them. Um, there's nothing like that. And, you know, I've, you know, I've been to a number of honor flights that have come into, you know, a regular airport and it's an awesome feeling. It's fantastic. But boy, you know, when, you know, you've got, you know, the veterans getting off the airplane and going through the crowd, um, you know, to get over to wherever we're doing the, the actual celebration, um, it's amazing. And it's, it's one of those things that happens towards the end of the week. So it's one of those things that sort of caps it off, you know, after you've, you know, you've been through the entire week of Oshkosh. Um, you know, so if there was one thing I, I would, you know, you know, say for me, it's, it's, it's that. And we can go through some of the other stuff here in a minute, but I don't know, you know, for you, Sean, what? Wow. Well, I think first and foremost, to me, this year represents the complete return to a full normal yes. air venture with all of the amazing aspects that go with it, which is great. I mean, the pandemic was really rough on society as, as a whole. And, and just to have this level of normalcy back and to see the event in all of its glory, doing everything that it does for all of our folks that, that, uh, that come in and participate and attend, it's just great to have that. Um, that being said, I think we have some amazing warbirds coming this year. We got, we got a great lineup as Rick's going to cover. There's no question. It's going to be a solid year. But some of the fresh restorations, you know, between two brand new G model BF 109s, um, which I'm a big access aircraft guy, fascinated by, you know, th those airplanes and the rarity of them. Um, we've got um, that the, the brand new restoration of an A26 that's coming that belongs to Kermit Weeks. Um, you know, those kinds of, of now on the scene, part of the Warbirds community, uh, fresh out of the shop. I, I just love those. Th those are great to go look at. Great to hear the folks that fly them, how they uh, recount, you know, how they fly. And it's, it's just fun. I always love uh, some really cool memories or airplanes that like 
beat it right down to the wire to make sure that, you know, they were ready to come to Oshkosh. Yep. Yep. And then they've flown them here. And then while they're here part-time at Warbirds, they'd have someone come out and apply the nose art. I mean, so you're literally, the airplane's being finished out in the Warbirds area, you know, getting the artwork applied or the invasion stripes or yep. something like that. Really, really fun stuff. I absolutely love that. Um, Rick, what else do you, what else are you excited about coming? Well, I, I think, you know, if you, if you go through what we would consider to be kind of the anchor um, elements for 2022, um, I think it starts with um, the 75th anniversary of the United States Air Force. Um um, every year over the last several years, we've featured one of the major commands of the Air Force. Um, this year, it'll be all of them represented here in a, in a very big way. Um, so, you know, whether you're looking at it from an air show standpoint, you're looking at it from a static aircraft display standpoint when it comes to what's going to be in and out of Boeing Plaza, um, programming throughout the week. As, as you know, Chris, when you look at things like Theater in the Woods, you look at the Flying Movie Theater this this year, it'll be laced with a lot of Air Force. Um, we'll talk about a little Navy stuff in a minute, but, um, you know, the, the Air Force anniversary is going to be a big one. And, and that'll be throughout the week with some really significant, you know, air shows that involve both current military, but also, you know, the historical side and also, you know, including some of the jets and, and that. So I, I think... I think the Air Force 75th is going to be fantastic. We've got a couple other big anniversaries, though, that are going on this year that, um, you know, are very important, I think, when we look at the EAA community in itself. Um, one is 30th anniversary of the Young Eagles program. And, and as Sean said, you know, we've come out of a, re- a very tough period right now, um, you know, where, you know, you go back to, to 2020 when, you know, there wasn't a lot of activity going on out there. And, you know, the Young Eagles program went from flying 60,000 kids a year to flying 7,000 kids in 2020. We rebounded nicely last year to about 35,000. This year we'll probably hit about 50, 51,000. But we look at the anniversary and, and really kicking that off in a big way at AirVenture as a way to drive some visibility on the program, get people enthused about it, get people wanting to be involved, um, and, and really not just taking Young Eagles back to where it was, but how do we, how do we take it to that next step, which is a big one. And, and you'll see stuff with the, the Young Eagle 30th, you know, all throughout the week. It's a common theme. You know, the other, you know, big anniversary, you know, for our community is, is Vans Aircraft and, and 50 years. Um, you know, for anybody that, you know, you know, comes to AirVenture and, you know, in a normal year, you look out, you know, in the home built area at the sea of Vans airplanes and, you know, you realize, you know, the impact that that one company has had on general aviation overall. And and certainly, you know, when it comes to EAA and, and what we're all about, it's just this enormous impact. So, you know, you'll see Vans 50th also featured throughout the week. Um, you know, and that includes what we're doing at Theater in the Woods. You'll see it in the air shows, some really cool stuff that Dennis has got planned from a formation standpoint. Um, and a lot of that will kick, kick us off when we start the event on, on Monday. But, you know, I, I know, Sean, you can talk maybe a little bit about, you know, just the impact from, oh my you know, goodness. that Vans has had on, on the community overall. Well, so the, old, the entire amateur-built movement as a whole is truly what represents and sets us apart as a, a general aviation 
community from the rest of the world in so many respects, in the sense of vibrancy, affordability, access. All these things are most prevalent with Amateur Built. And vans and those designs clearly make up the largest portion of that community. They're, they're, they're a huge fleet. There's over 10,000 airframes. Yep. Um, many more in construction. The Vans team is always here in in force and has a wonderful um, interaction with our our members and our attendees. Uh, you know, there's just it's such a neat story of an amazing designer and an amazing fleet of aircraft that make our system robust, much more so than any other part of the world. Yeah, and I think you'll, you know, you know, if you're here um, early in the week, you know, certainly on Monday at Theater in the Woods, um, you know, we'll feature both um, the Young Eagles 30th in terms of, of hearing a lot of, we're going to look at the program really from a success story standpoint. And, you know, um, you know, with, with kids and, 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 and mentors, um, you know, talking about the impact that the program has had, but we'll also... Um, you know, end that evening um, with a uh, a really great discussion um, that Dick will be involved in um, uh, as far as Van's fiftieth, and and you know, hopefully hear a little bit of, which is always a cool part of Air Venture, that backstory. You know, the stuff that you don't normally, you know, you normally see, but you can go to you know theater in the woods, and and you're going to hear, um, you know, a different element of, of the overall story. So we really look forward to that. Um, you know, one of the other cool things that's going on this year is, um, you know, we've, we've gone about every three or four years with over the last several years of doing the one week wonder, um, you know, a seven day aircraft build and, and that will be happening again this year, right at, uh, you know, what we call four corners, kind of the show center, area. Um, it'll be a Sonics WayX this year. Um, it'll be a Rotax powered Sonics. And, uh, you know, really, really looking forward to that because it's another way to go draw attention to what home building and amateur building is really all about. Um, and, and most significantly being able to say, you know, it's accessible, you can do this. Um, and, and that's really the, you know, when we think back on the purpose of, of the One Week Wonder, it's really to provide that visibility to people to say, you know, this is something that's doable. This is something that, that you can achieve. And, uh, you know, and it's just fun because you can, you know, if you, if you just stop by even every six hours, <laughs> you're going to see progress. And, and, you know, certainly on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, you see a ton of progress. So it's just a, um, it'll be a really fun, uh, you know, fun side of the event. That's fantastic. We had to just get like a, a workforce going year round. We could just keep cranking out airplanes, you know, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and I, and I know part of what really um, is amazing here is that, we truly are a family-friendly uh, community. All the programming is really open for people of all ages. And in an effort to make sure we do grow participation in aviation, we're actually offering a free admission for youth this year. Yeah, we, we, we were able to do it last year with the support of Boeing and again this year. Uh, and, and honestly, it, it's probably something, you know, when you look back on it and, you know, we, we probably should have done earlier. Um, it, was a, um, it was a great way coming out of the pandemic. 
um, and in a great offering. I think what what we saw last year, which was just fantastic, which was the number of families, the number of kids um, um, on site last year was noticeably different, and and we want to see that continue. I mean, there is no better way. You know, we all talked about how do we get involved in this to begin with, and and those interests start very young. And so the opportunity, I think, to um, leverage AirVenture as a way to expose kids to aviation to what's possible is just absolutely huge. And and you know, as we think about the industry going forward, um, the organization going forward, recreational aviation going forward, um, you know, getting families and kids exposed to uh, to aviation and, and what it's all about and where it can lead is huge. And I think with the free admission, you know, we take a big step forward with that. So, you know, it makes for a, you know, certainly a, a you know, an affordable getaway for families. And, uh, you know, especially into this year, you know, when you look at, you know, some of the economic pressures that are on individuals and families, um, you know, we believe this is a pretty, uh, pretty affordable way to go spend a week that satisfies, you know, people of all ages, as you said, Chris, because it really does. Uh, Absolutely. And I love that there's so much unique, uh, there's so many unique aspects uh, of of this event. Um, For example, the event doesn't end uh, when a normal air show would. You know, normal air show ends at like five (laughs) o'clock, you go home and you're at Applebee's. And uh, uh, no Applebee's here. Uh, There's stuff going on at night. Uh, I just ruined our sponsorship for Applebee's if they were ever thinking about it. But uh, um, but, uh, tell us about- You mentioned them three times. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Um, Tell us a little bit about what what happens at night here. I mean, there's more than just the air show uh, ending at five, you know. Well, and, and part of it goes back to you know what what you, you know you were mentioning earlier of you know an, an intentional effort to make this a very family friendly you know environment and you know we you know we've kind of you look back over the last 12, 15 years um, and and the evolution of the event um, certainly a big part of that has been the evenings um, you know there's always been theater in the woods that was sort of the single anchor element of the event in the evenings, um, you know, but, you know, between the night air show, um, you know, which happens on Wednesday and, and Saturday nights, which, um, you know, I think we would, uh, we would stack that up with any, any night air show, especially when it ends with a, a fireworks display that, you know, simply is, is always fantastic. Um, but you look at, you know, flying movie theater and, and, you know, an opportunity for folks, you know, that are on site to go unwind watching, you know, in most cases, a, an aviation movie and in a lot of cases, a classic aviation movie. You know, when you mentioned, you know, Jimmy Stewart and the Spirit of St. Louis, you know, that whole idea started with, you know, showing movies on, a, you know, the side of a hangar. You know, how do we bring that feel and, and, you know, I think we got lucky in terms of, you know, the area that we had in Camp Scholar that, you know, is a little bit of a pavilion, pavilion kind of feeling area. You know, you put a five-story high inflatable screen up and, you know, some pretty high-tech projection. And, you know, all of a sudden you're showing movies for 5,000 people at a time. And, 
pretty darn cool. And it, 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 again, it creates, you know, this, this other option, um, you know, for the evenings. I think, you know, one of the neatest things that's happened in the evenings, you know, um, over the last five years is the introduction of, of Twilight Flight Fest. Um, because one of the things that we talked about was, well, how do we, you know, we're a flying event. Um, you know, how do we keep that going? Um, a little bit longer. And, and, you know, is there a way to do that in a way that maybe attracts a little bit of a different audience? And, and so um, Twilight Flight Fest was born. And, and if you haven't been down there, um, you know, just would absolutely, one of the evenings, recommend going down there. It happens on all the evenings that we don't have a night air show. So Monday and Tuesday, you know, um, Thursday, Friday, um, you know, and and it is, it's just a cool event. It is a combination of you know you'll see the the stole demo um, going on down there. Um, we've got parachuting going on uh, this year. It's the Red Bull uh, Air Force and the Patriot uh, parachute team. Uh, the Arrhythmia paramotor um, guys, you know, and gals are there flying and. You know, just a very cool, and this is all happening at eight o'clock and after. And then when it gets dark, um, really dark, um, you know, it's 3D RC. And, you know, Sean and I are both big RC guys, as you know, and, and, you know, introducing an aspect of radio control that, that frankly, most people on site had never seen before, um, especially the after dark you know, third scale, mostly third scale aerobatic, fully lit airplanes um, flown by some very young folks that, that are here. Um, highly just skilled. Highly, <laughs> highly skilled. Um, you know, it's, it's just amazing. And, and what the cool part about this whole thing with, with uh, Twilight Flight Fest is when you're down there and you, look, and you stand around, it's got an entirely different vibe than the rest of AirVenture. Um, it skews very much younger, lots of families, lots of kids. Um, and, and one of the things that we were trying to do was introduce certain aspects of aviation that are maybe a little bit more affordable, a little bit, you know, easier to get into and, and, but do it in a fun way. And, and that I think we've been successful with, with Twilight Flight Fest. It's just a, a very cool way to go end the day. And you, you mentioned earlier, Rick, too, that there, you can't, possibly take it all in and find every nook and cranny. And that's nope. true. Um, and to that point, what Rick just kind of highlighted, uh, in parallel that over the last several years, we have developed an actual RC model field on site that's part of Pioneer Airport over by the museum. And Horizon is actually sponsoring that this year, along with AMA's continued support of orchestrating the the activity. And it's it's a fun place to go check out. And if, if you're a modeler, Bring a small electric foamy and you got something fly. Go, go fly in the evenings. It's 630 to 930 every night. It is one of the most relaxing places. Uh, really to really cool. Go pull your golf cart over and just hang out and watch this. It was just a nice way to end your day. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, just, just wonderful. And what I love that you touched on is just like a family reunion you come to, um, you come together as one big group and then there's these pockets that kind of end up breaking off into different conversations and interests. And, and that, that's like that here. I mean, you'll see different groups that are, well, I'm in the warbirds or I'm into the seaplane base. So they'll go over to the seaplane base. And, uh, uh, I, I just absolutely love that. And one of the things I think that really sets us apart as an organization is, uh, our ability to have, you know, a wonderful and meaningful relationship with the folks who make the rules, the FAA. 
uh, and the advocacy work that you and Tom do. Um, Sean, do you want to touch on, um, you know, the value that the, you know, maybe the FAA sees in coming here and being part of this community? Absolutely. And Tom's going to tag with me on this one, because this, this one is important for, for all of our members that value and the large, large majority understand the advocacy work that goes on at the AA and the importance to the overall community and the future of, of general aviation. We have essentially every FAA senior leader from the FAA administrator on down, all the different lines of business, um, chief counsel, uh, head of aircraft certification, head of, of uh, flight standards, all of the, the key decision makers are here. And they're here to do a couple of things. One is to interact with the industry. Uh, we have very, very full schedules throughout the week of various meetings and activities. And then two, they're here to take in the full uh, breadth and depth of general aviation. There's no other event that represents all of the different aspects of general aviation like Oshkosh does. And, and it's, it gives them exposure and the chance to interact with each little nook and cranny of our wonderful GA community in ways they possibly couldn't do uh, at other events. So um, it's, just, it's just this wonderful experience for them. And in many respects, we often hear that it recharges their batteries to go back to Washington to do what they do. Because sometimes that inside the beltway can really drag you down. And coming out to this event kind of resets their perspective in a very, very positive and helpful way. So Tom, any, any additionals? Yeah, I, I think you hit it just right there, Shauna. The FAA often has um, more of a pilot culture or an aviation culture than I think we give it credit for sometimes. And uh, um, being able to come out here and actually work with the industry that they are or, or experience the industry that they are in charge of regulating is really um, uh, does recharge their batteries and is very important to them. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we do... Uh, whenever we get a new senior staff from the FAA, and we have many this year, um, we will do a full flight line tour from the north end of the field to the south end of the field. And in about an hour and a half, we can show them everything from the biz jets that are at the north end of the field parked over a Basler all the way down to a powered paraglider. Uh, at the ultralight strip. Um, if I want to show them something about vintage aircraft, we can go down into vintage. We could talk about the maintainability issues of those aircraft. If we want to talk about, hey, look, this is a home built. You know, whatever you had in your head of what a home built is, take a look at these professionally built aircraft. Well, amateur built, but too professional quality, right? Aircraft. Um, warbirds, you know, um, we, we, we're talking a lot right now about operating limitations for warbirds. Uh, you know, th this is, um, these are the, the, the levels of restoration that we have out there right now. This is living history that we have to bring, uh, to the next generation. Um, at everything like that. Yeah. One of my favorite stories, uh, of, of, of kind of the advocacy work that we do in action here at, at, uh, at AirVenture is, um, uh, Art Schwedler, who's no longer with us, uh, was, uh, was one of our uh, volunteer co-chairs for, uh, the host team that we have during, uh, AirVenture that we, that we, um, we work with to host all of the, all the, uh, the, the government VIPs. And he brought a group of FAA, senior FAA staffers down to Vintage during a time that there was some rule. I don't know which rule it was. This was before my time, but there was some rule that was being circulated around um, that would be very detrimental to, uh, to the flying Vintage aircraft. And uh, Art took them through and, uh, you know, showed them everything. And they were just wowed by everything. And Art said, so you, you like these airplanes? And the staff was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we love these airplanes. Like, good. Well, you better uh, get, a, get a good look at them now because if you pass this rule, um, they're, uh, they're all going to be grounded. And <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but also, you know, to Sean's point, we do a lot of, uh, of, of nitty-gritty advocacy work with them during the week because this is um, – 
this is one of two times of the year that instead of us going to them, they come to us and we, we can, we have access to pretty much anybody we need, uh, to be able to talk about any policy issues. So we do a lot of work. Um, well, you know, spend a, spend a lot of our time during the show indoors, uh, working with, uh, with the FAA staff, but we, we do get out, uh, quite a bit ourselves. So, um, and you know, I, I, I really liked, uh, you guys talking about the, uh, the after hours stuff at EAA because that's always been that's been my experience at Oshkosh because I've always been working during the day. Um, and I work qu- quite a bit in the evening too, but the time I do have to myself, it's usually, um, you know, those, the, you know, <laughs> going up and down the flight line in, in the evening in the twilight, um, going over to the ultralight strip, uh, seeing, you know, some of the air show, definitely the night air show, things like that. Um, that's always been very special to me and, uh, you know, probably, um, uh, probably my favorite part of it. There's, uh, there's two things I got to make sure we touch on and because okay. uh, we could easily do four parts of this podcast. But uh, I love the fact that this event and this organization is still growing uh, to the fact that we have had to uh, expand more aircraft parking to the south. Um, and I want to make sure that we touch on it because I, I, I've been down there and it's a really cool vibe uh, that's starting down in the South 40. It is, Chris. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's something that for those that have already experienced it, the, the light bulbs come on. And we as, as EA, the organization, are continuing to develop and support and evolve the entire South 40 and, and all the parking amenities that go with it to make it an absolute wonderful experience, unique, to, uh, uh, on par with what happens at North 40 as far as support and services. Uh, things like, you know, gate 19 this year is a 24-hour access gate. We now have Uber access to that. So folks that park down the South 40 can instantly get transportation. Uh, we've upped the buses. We now have four buses traveling as far down as the registration building. And we're going to have uh, basically every 20 minutes or sooner bus service running uh, in and out of the South 40. We've got not one, but two grocery stores. We have the Southeast Red One Grocery that's all the way down on the on the far south side. And we also have the, um, the Red One uh, Grocery, South Red One on the show plane side, on the south side of show planes. Um, it's a wonderful environment too, because you've got this tremendous front row seat to some of the coolest arrivals. Because remember, runway 36 is where all our heavies come in. We don't land the, the big stuff on, on 927. So the folks down in the South 40 have this great vantage point to actually see some of the biggest, baddest, coolest airplanes coming to the event arrive. Uh, on, on their uh, final approach corridor into 3-6. So we even have tie-down services available. We've done everything we can, and we're continuing to, to, to work it, to have all of the services that are available in the North 40 and people are very used to equal and available in the South 40. So they'll have tie-downs for sale at a shack down by the registration building, all those kinds of things that give people all the amenities they need uh, to make it just an, a turnkey experience. Rick, anything? No, I, I, I think you hit it. Um, you know, I think that's the objective when we started this is, is not just to go create more space, but, you know, over time, you know, truly to create a strong destination down there and, you know, and another good, strong alternative. And, and the spacing is a big deal. Um, you know, we, we really want to be in a position where we're simply not turning people away because we're out of, you know, general aircraft parking or general aircraft camping space. And, and we're getting really close to that. I mean, I think we, we got there last year for all intents and purposes. Um, you know, I think this year, um, you know, we should be in a similar situation, but that's what we want. I mean, that's what we want to achieve. 
And to that point, um, Rick just mentioned uh, general aircraft parking for transient aircraft as well as general aircraft camping. Like other amenities in the North 40 that are now in the South 40, we have mirrored that as well. So aircraft as they arrive will be funneled to both locations. And we have both parking and camping arranged and, and planned for in the South 40. Uh, so that, again, it's an equal experience regardless of which side of the field the flag marshalers send you to. That's fantastic. I, I spent a little bit of time in the South 40 a couple of, probably last year, I think. And uh, like I said, I, I just love that people are, are starting to make that their own. You know, they're, you're seeing the groups that are wanting to go there because that's where their friends are. And uh, it's fantastic. And I love your comment on the approach. I actually had a World War II B-29 veteran I had picked up. And it was when you brought Doc in, and I mean, it, you had this great shot of it coming in, and he looked at me, and he's like, "I feel like I'm back on Tinian." You know, he's like, "That was pretty cool." So, uh, oh, it's a great, great view down there. Um, so many fun moments have been had here over the years. Uh, I, I will say that in my first year, I got to, to meet Nepal Astronaut. I thought that was amazing. Little did I know, a few years later, uh, you guys would have me uh, uh, hosting a reunion. Um, you guys have ruined movies for both me and Tom. You with the Spirit of St. Louis with Sean. Uh, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo was one of my all-time favorites, and I recently got there to fly with Sean in the B-25, and uh, I will never uh, see that movie the same way. Um, <laughs> but as we're talking about movies, we can't miss talking about Top Gun. Uh, yep. it, the first one was such a huge hit. Uh, the second one, I think, is probably even a bigger hit as far as box office goes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Top Gun. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that's been on our uh, our list for the last three years is, uh, you know, Top Gun Maverick. And, uh, um, but it also gives us the opportunity to do a number of different things around Top Gun itself. And so... You know, this year on uh, Friday evening at, at Flying Movie Theater, we'll be showing Top Gun Maverick. Um, I think for this audience, admittedly, um, most everybody in the audience will have seen it four or five times by then. <laughs> but, you know, that's OK. Um, this will be the first time you're probably seeing it outdoors on a five story high screen and and doing it at Oshkosh, which will create an entirely, you know, unique vibe again. Um, but, you know, we're really looking forward to that. Um, you know, from a Top Gun, or, you know, standpoint overall, I know, Chris, you've got, you know, some great stuff planned, um, you know, at Theater in the Woods. We will have a number of aggressor aircraft here, um, you know, during the week. Um, I would I would kind of put in that category because the, the airplane came up as, um, as we were looking at aggressor aircraft and and it ties over to your space stuff that's going on but jared isaacman is bringing his mig-29 um that will fly as well uh and and so when we we think about top gun i think you know friday is going to be fantastic um i need to say and put a plug in for we we open air venture up really on saturday night um, with the Flying Movie Theater. You know, last year was the first year we were really able to go do that after a couple attempts that were pandemic and weather um, delayed. Um, but we opened it with um, the original Top Gun on, uh, on Saturday night. And, and I think maybe not much to our surprise, but it was pretty cool to see a, you know, a, a, large, large crowd turnout on Saturday night. We know that Camp Scholar is pretty full at that point, a lot of airplanes on the ground. Um, and Top Gun was just this great way to kick it off. So we're doing that again this year. You'll be able to see 
the original Top Gun on Saturday night. We know we can't see that too many times. So, you know, um, and then on, on Friday, um, you know, we will, uh, we'll have Top Gun Maverick, which ought to be just a, uh, a great crowd and a, just a, a fun, fun night for everybody. Best way to see it, surrounded by other airplane fans uh, on a big screen at Oshkosh. That's going to be uh, that's going to be awesome. It'll be cool. Don't miss it. I, I, as we're leading into this, uh, you know, and we're getting ready to wrap up here. Uh, you know, again, thank you both for coming on. I know that everybody's schedules right now are, are pretty hectic as we're planning the world's biggest uh, aviation party. Um, but uh, it's always uh, great to, to to hang out with you guys here a little bit, and uh, um, and you know, and I, I know I speak for Tom when I say we're all uh, just very proud to to get to be a part of this. Uh, uh, this great team here so uh looking forward to it i'm looking forward to seeing all you uh, that are listening please uh if you see me tom or hal or any of the gang here let us know uh that you listen to the green dot that uh you know w- what your routines are where, where you listen to it what you're doing uh, we'd love to hear that kind of stuff um tom any uh uh any uh closing thoughts here you want to share with us as we lead out well you know this is uh like i said this is a very busy time of the year for us and uh you know it's not um, it's not necessarily the most stress-free uh, time to be working here, but but once that curtain goes up on Monday, it's the it's the most fun in the world. Yeah. Pretty darn cool. And uh, I, I just can't wait to get to that point and get through all the work we got to get through before <laughs> we get to that point. But it's going to happen one way or the other. Um, so uh, so yeah, absolutely. Thank you, thank you, Rick and and Sean for uh, for joining us. And uh, uh, I guess we'll have to get back to work here. And uh, as we roll through our final approach here to Oshkosh. Um, so, uh, so for the green dot, um, uh, Chris is still handling our scheduling and, uh, and, and taking care of all the things on the pre-production side. Uh, Scott is running our board and handling post-production. Our marketing and publications team, uh, handle the distribution of the podcast. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, Hal, Chris, and myself are the hosts. Um, Please, uh, please leave feedback uh, at um, either feedback at ea.org or leave us a review for the podcast. It's always great to have uh, have those reviews. Um, definitely helps the promotion and uh, and distribution of the podcast um, for uh, for people to um, uh, to leave reviews um, on on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, that definitely does help. So for uh, for the whole gang here, uh, when you if you do fly to Oshkosh, please land on whichever dot you are actually cleared to land on. <laughs> but at least on the uh, on on the airwaves here, we'll see you next time when you're cleared to land on the green dot. 